2: Uh, We're glad to to be here with Michael Coomans. Pastor Michael. Brother Michael, you want to open us up in prayer?
1: Yes, certainly. Dear Lord, we, we pray for everyone that they had a wonderful Christmas, and we pray that it was a Christian Christmas where they spent their time contemplating the birth of our Lord and Savior. And we pray now as we approach the new year, that through these broadcasts, people will become more aware of deliverance, Lord, and they will know what to do if they ever find themselves under pressure from the devil. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. And we ask you, Lord, to bless everyone who is listening today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
2: I say amen to that. Brother Michael, welcome back, and the microphone is yours. you got all the time you want.
1: Thank you very much. God bless you. Well, welcome to all of you today. You know, I was thinking about deliverance and I've met a lot of so-called deliverance ministers over the years, and they really don't have any tactics for deliverance. They see someone who's demonized and they just shout and scream at them and knock them about. And they think they're being delivered if they manage to get them to fall to the floor. And these people know very little about deliverance. And there's one thing we ought to know about Satan, that he probably knows the Bible better than we do. And he has so many plots, plans and desires. And whether we like it or not, every Christian must come to terms with the fact that Satan is his real enemy. And when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, we have a wonderful friend in the Lord Jesus. We also come up against a, a powerful enemy, in satan and we really need to know what to do to to fight satan and it's not enough to shout at him even read scriptures against him though that helps we need to know the strategies of the devil and you know i was only thinking the other day that we're an army when we become born again we're the army of the lord and our army fights satan and satan's army But I was thinking about my army the other week and uh, we was gonna do some spiritual warfare and we was gonna pray to cast down imaginations and tear down strongholds. And the first one of my army says, I'm sorry I can't come because I've got my daughter coming over to visit me. The next one didn't turn up and says, oh, I'm sorry I had a headache. Then the next one said, I was feeling a bit unwell. I think I had a cold coming. And I thought to myself, this is some kind of army that we're building to fight Satan. And I always remember I was invited to a church in North London. He was an Australian pastor married to an African woman. And though I never knew him very well, he was very inviting to me. he asked me to come in his church. He had a a large hall that he used. And there was only about 10 people turned up and... uh, Though I was used to preaching in front of small crowds, if you like, uh, this man was quite upset and he was quite put off about it. And I believe there was Benny Hinn or somebody like that who was in London that day. And I think a lot of his normal congregation had gone to visit Benny Hinn. And he said, well, and he said this to the 10 people that were there, including me, he said... There are people who should be here who are more anointed than you, but they're not here. They've gone somewhere else. So God will use you. Now I was very impressed by that and God will use whoever is available there, whoever is standing up. And I look at it as three people. There's soldiers, there's athletes and there's farmers and We have to choose which one we want to be in. If we're a soldier, we've always got to be ready to fight the devil. And we've got our war manual in our hand, which is the word of God. And preferably the original King James version of the Bible. That's the stuff that we use against Satan. Secondly, an athlete. An athlete has to be tightly trained, always must be fit, always must be ready to take the strain and stand the pace. You can imagine a marathon runner having to run 26 miles. Well, that athlete, he can't tear away from the uh, from the start and get tired after a mile. He has to pace himself. So we've got a soldier who's ready to fight. We've got an athlete who's ready to pace himself. And we've got a farmer. Farmers, they get up early hours of the morning. They work till late of the night. And a farmer as stay in power. He's used to long, hard work. And that's what the army of the Lord needs to be to stand against Satan. And today I'll be talking about six things Satan wants more than anything else when he deals with a Christian. And as I said, whether or not we like it, whether we're Upset or sad about the fact that Satan will attack us, we know he's known by many names including Satan, Lucifer, Beelzebub and the devil and he makes it clear from his first encounter with mankind in Genesis 3 that he has nothing but malicious intent for all God's creation. So much that Jesus says this regarding his character. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a lion, the father of lies. In the original Greek, he is called Phlaros, which is the father of lies. In other words, there is... No truth, no good, no love, no hope that can come from the devil. When we allow the words of the enemy to have power in our lives, we have come into agreement with things that directly oppose God's word. Satan's desire is to kill, steal and destroy anything that brings God's glory, bringing destruction for all of mankind and here's the six things that Satan wants more than anything else for us the first thing we're going to go to Genesis 3 it's to try and make us doubt God's word and Satan showed his greatest trick during his first encounter with mankind in Genesis 3 and it says Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field. Hallelujah, that the Lord had made. I'm gonna read this out of the King James so we get the real truth of this. So let's have a look at Genesis 3, verse 1. Genesis, Genesis 3, verse 1. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. You see, Satan would love nothing more than to do what he did in the Garden of Eden. Hallelujah. We pray now in Jesus' name. I'll give you the full King James version of this. Now the serpent was more subtle than any other beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall surely not die. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and he did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. God amongst the trees in the garden and the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him where art thou and he said I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself and he said who told thee that thou wast naked hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldn't not eat And the man said, The woman whom thou givest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat it. And the Lord said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go. And thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Hallelujah. You can see what has happened here. Satan has beguiled the woman. Satan has got to defy God. Yes, Satan has been convincing people to doubt God's word since the beginning of time. To this day, the enemy has convinced people to doubt the word, to doubt the sincerity of the word, to doubt the promises of the word, and to doubt everything God has said about times, about times to come. Many have become skeptics and spend more time time to prove God wrong than accepting God's love for them. By doubting even one word of what God has spoken, we start to second guess all other things that He has said, and that He will be said. Just like faith, the Bible says that we have faith as. Small as a mustard seed, we can tell that mountain to move. People will laugh at that sort of thing because Satan gets in the head. One seed of doubt can spread like an infection across entire families, causing many to stumble. Just as we see in the Garden of Eden. Above all else, we must remember that God does not die. God is not a human being. Let's have a look at some other scriptures that will tell us about the problems of doubting God's word. Hallelujah. You know, people, some people will look for a scientific answer to God. You know, when you see certain things, actually I laugh and I'm not a man of learning. I left school at 15 with no qualifications. I became a pastor through distance learning, through open learning. It took me five years to do so. But, you know, I see people and they pick a stone up. They find a stone when there's an archaeological Dig and they say that this stone is 50,000 years old and people believe that when they're told from a scientist that this piece of rock, this rock formation is 50,000 years old they'll believe that but when the Bible says that God created heaven and earth in six days and on the seventh day he did rest, they don't believe that, they laugh at it, they scoff at it let's have a look at 1 Corinthians 14 And look what it says in verse 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. And we must understand that God is not the author of confusion. And God will not create confusion in our lives. I truly believe that everything written in the Bible is the truth. Now you may say that man's ignorant. Why doesn't he look at science? I've seen scientists who have said strange things about the Bible and, you know, I'm not convinced that their argument is truthful or even sincere. The Bible is the truth and the sincerity of God cannot be questioned. Let's have a look at James 4, verse 7. It says, Submit yourselves therefore to god resist the devil and he will flee from you the devil will come against you trying to convince you that he knows the answers to all things satan is a liar always was a liar it's not enough to shout and scream at him you've got to know where his strategies come from and then you can come prepare for this I remember I was praying for a man in Scotland who was a Roman Catholic, and he was resisting me, he was resisting saying the sinner's prayer and accepting Jesus into his life. He said because he was a Catholic, he came from the higher faith. And because he came from the higher faith, he didn't have to accept Jesus as his Lord and Saviour. And he admitted to me that he had been prayed for by three priests and a bishop, and he had had exorcisms in his house and it never worked. Anyway, on the third phone call I had with this gentleman, he admitted that he uh, would accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Saviour. And I got him to say the sinner's prayer. Halfway through saying the sinner's prayer, a dreadful voice came out of him that wasn't his own. And the voice said, Michael, Let me know what you need. Do you need money? Do you need power? I will give you anything you want if you stop doing this type of work. And that was Satan speaking to me. And I rebuked him in the name of Jesus Christ. And the man started reaching and vomiting, and the demons come out of him. So Satan knows about deliverance. What Satan wants to do is, is, is doubt. This man doubted. This man said, I'm a Roman Catholic. I don't need deliverance. I'm part of the church, which is the number one church. He believed that was the original church, the original church of the gospel. And because he believed that, he wouldn't accept deliverance. So it's not enough to shout and scream at Satan or go on YouTube and listen to videos of people just speaking in tongues. You've got to know the strategies of the devil. And the first thing is, he would try and make you doubt God's word by whatever method he has. Let's have a look at First Peter 5, verse 8. Hallelujah. And it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. You notice it says, your adversary is our adversary he's our enemy and he will fight us and we must have courage to stand against him. We must be a soldier. Let's have a look at number two he will try to paralyze us with fear. We know what fear is second Timothy Verses 1 to 7 says, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love and sound mind. And fear is one of his biggest weapons. Fear is probably the number one tactic of the enemy. I used to struggle with extreme fear as a child and panic attacks because I used to see demonic things happen in the house I lived in, in South London as a child. And I used to be terrified. And I used to lay awake in the bed all night, too frightened to go to sleep. And I used to pray and things used to happen in the house. The door used to open by itself. The lampshade used to swing above my bed. I would hear tapping on the window, like someone was tapping with a coin in their hands. And I used to get panic attacks and I was terribly scared. Hallelujah. I can attest that fear is one thing which is immediate and it disables you and it's not of God. Timothy, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 said, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love and sound mind. If we have power, love, and sound mind, we can stand against fear. If our lives have become riddled with fear, we are consumed with what ifs. Now, what if is the way Satan gets you to look back after he's paralyzed you with fear and you can see all the opportunities you've missed. I had early years of many missed opportunities I was probably bottom of the class at school because I was so wracked with fear. Satan used to swear at me all day long when I was in the classroom at school. He used to shout terrible words against me and words against Jesus, words against God. And I used to think simply by hearing these words, I was doomed to hell. And I would say, please God, please God, please God. And the teacher would see me speaking to myself and I used to say, Hundreds of times a day, God is good, Jesus is love. And the teacher was saying, what are you saying? What are you saying to yourself? And of course, I would look a fool in front of the whole class at school. So I used to keep quiet. So life becomes focused when you're paralyzed with fear of the opportunities you've missed. And things are going on in your life that you can't do anything about. You feel rejected, you don't feel the same as anyone else when you're gripped with fear. God doesn't give us fear. Instead, his word brings peace, wisdom, love, and a sound mind. Hallelujah. 1 John 14 verse 18 says, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. You see, fear has to do with punishment. We're frightened. You know how frightened we get before, when you're a child, before you sit an exam. Or if the headmaster in the school has called you to see him in his office, you feel terrified because you think you've done something terribly wrong. And fear will grip you. Fear will make you feel so disorientated that you cannot stand against satan you just become a victim and really he can do with you what he wants to do with you when you're gripped with fear this is why i want to teach her about these things let's have a look at scripture scripture is a wonderful defense against fear let's have a look at deuteronomy 31 verse 6 it says, be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he is it that doth both go with thee, and he will not foul thee, nor forsake thee. What a promise. I'll read it again. Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he is it that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. So you see, the Lord is with you. He's with you all the time. He'll never leave you or forsake you. So you've got to call on the name of the Lord. I say to everyone out there who has insomnia, who's frightened to go to sleep because they get bad dreams, that's another thing Satan will give you when you're under the grips of fear. You'll get bad dreams, monstrous dreams. You'll have dreams of hell and you will think you've already gone to hell sometimes. Let's have a look at Isaiah 41, verse 10. It says, Fear thou not, I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. You see, God is promising. God is promising to help you. He's not going to leave you for Satan. He never left me. And I thought I was on my own. I remember coming to my mother when I was very young and I said, mum, can I talk to you? And I told her what was going on in the night in my bedroom and how my bed was shaking and I was being thrown out the bed. And my mother said to me, quite straight, probably too straight. She was a very straight woman. She said to me, it's just the devil trying to claim your soul. You've got to resist him. Now, I'd never heard anyone speak to me like that before. And I remember I had a sharp intake of breath and I stood there wondering what was going on. But what she told me was the absolute truth. And sometimes you need someone tough to tell you the absolute truth. Let's have a look at Hebrews 13. Verses five and six. It says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be with contempt with such things as you have. For he have said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do. Unto me, I love this scripture because it says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be we're content with such things as you have. Let's not chase dreams all the time. The greatest dream we should be we tra- be, be chasing is eternal life in heaven, and we can only have that if we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we believe the truth of the gospel, and we believe. He is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Lily of the Valley, and the Rose of Sharon. So number two is, Satan will try to paralyze us with fear. Now the next thing he will do, fear has a role in this as well. He will try to silence us from sharing the gospel. He will try and stop us from sharing the gospel. A Christian who holds the gospel to themselves is an ineffective Christian. A Christian who sits there all day reading the Bible and doesn't share the Bible with anyone. Anyone who rings me for deliverance, and a lot of them are not Christians, I always say, I can pray for you, and I'm happy to pray for you, but you know what, if you receive Jesus in your heart, and he becomes your Lord and Saviour, it's so much easier for this demon, this evil spirit to leave you, for your life to get back to normal. And you know, thank God for the video. Most people who contact me, they see me on the internet, and they think I can help them. I don't boast about myself, but there's one thing I say, I give my testimony on my website, And I tell them that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody come after the Father except through him. You know, one of our primary roles as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, is to make more followers of Christ. We should be able to share the gospel. Probably it's our greatest mission. It's one of the things we must do. Yet one trick of the enemy is to silence Christians. We see this in modern social media, as many Christians feel nervous to share their faith with others on Twitter or on Facebook. I'm not on Twitter or on Facebook. I don't go on these things. I always prefer to speak to people face-to-face. I always prefer the spoken word rather than the email or the text but I share the faith with everyone. Some people laugh, some people make fun of me. You know, I had a woman who was, I was very upset. We had a carol service in our church last Friday night. It was lovely, but somebody who came, who hadn't been there before. And this person had been to this church, our church, 25 years before, but had left to go to a very famous church in London. and it's a church when you mention who the pastor was, everyone knows who it is. And she came up to me and she'd heard me speak because I had spoken a bit at the front of the church. And she came up to me, a very educated woman, universally educated. And she said, all right, mate, how are you going? And I thought to myself, I don't speak like that. Yeah, I've got a London accent. This woman was mocking me and making fun of me. Now, If I was soft-natured, I would take that to heart. And if I met anyone who was well-educated, someone who had been to university, and I wanted to share the gospel with them, I'd be frightened to do that. And that's how Satan works. As it happens, it doesn't matter to me. I believe I talk to cabbages and kings. And I believe that nobody can put me off sharing the gospel. And my lack of education actually works well with me, because we've got swathes of working-class people in London, in the big cities, who the big churches, if you like, have forsaken them, forsaken them. They don't go out there and willingly try to save them. Uh, I do, I speak to anyone, irrespective of what country they come from, what language they speak. I go out my way to find out things about them. So I have something in common with them. If we feel nervous to share God's word for fear of being virtually attacked uh, on the internet or being attacked face to face, or not wanting to be associated with the church because it would cause us problems, hallelujah. Although we cannot give the enemy 100% credit for this, truthfully, those who share the gospel in a way that is malicious and hateful have played down his role. You see, I don't tell everyone they're gonna go to hell. I say, Jesus wants to save you. And when they ask what that salvation is, I tell them. And when we get down the line a bit, I tell them the dangers of hell for those who have rejected Jesus. But those who spread the gospel maliciously are playing into the hands of the devil. We see many Christians prefer to worship quietly, not to cause anyone to be offended. Well, I don't care who's offended. Where I live, I don't know. There's one Christian lady opposite me, and I sat down and prayed with her, and I helped lead her to the Lord. She had had a very troubled life, and i tell anyone about Jesus. When they say, if I talk to anyone, I always make sure I bless them in the name of Jesus Christ. They might say, well, that's a funny way to act, but I want them to know. You see, they know us by our fruits. And when our fruits are peaceful and loving and tender and kind, they will see what Jesus has done in our lives. When we say to someone, unless you accept Jesus, you're going to rot in hell and you're going to burn for all eternity. We're doing what Satan wants us to do. We're frightening people so bad that they'll clear off and we won't see them again. Hallelujah. We mustn't be ashamed of the gospel. As I said, Timothy 1, verse 7, second Tim, Timothy 1, verse 7 makes it clear. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. Hallelujah. You know, another thing Satan will put in our mind, along with fear, is doubt. If we've had a bad education, or we haven't been to college or university, we might feel that we have low self-esteem. I used to feel like that at one time. When I was a kid, because I lived in such a rundown old house in South London, when there was other kids in the street who used to have birthday parties I usually wasn't invited so I didn't you know I used to go and practice football instead and I developed my football skills because I always wanted to be a professional footballer when I got older but I missed out unfortunately but low self-esteem is what Satan will do he'll try and say you are not educated enough to share the gospel. Don't talk to that man, he's been to grammar school, he's been to university. He can speak the English language better than you. Well, I think I'm a well-educated man, and even though I speak with a London accent, let that not deter me, hallelujah. I can also speak with an Irish accent because my father was an Irishman. And if I converse with an Irishman, I can speak in his dialect and he will never know I was born in London. So we must share the gospel with all people. Let's have a look at Mark 11, verse 23. These are the words of Jesus. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast in the sea, and shalt not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. What a wonderful position to be in. Don't doubt at all. Don't doubt anything. Hallelujah. What Jesus said in the Bible is the truth. What God has said in the Old Testament is the truth. And we're going to go to the book of Exodus now. And the first one we're going to read is Exodus 3.11 and Exodus 3.13. Exodus 3.11. It's talking about Moses Say unto God. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? You see, as doubt. He's looking at himself and he doesn't think he's good enough. You see, many people think I'm not good enough to be used by God. I'm not intelligent enough. I don't speak well. Satan loves that sort of thing. He's sitting there with his legs crossed, clapping his hands, giggling and laughing at you. Moses felt like that. Exodus 3, 13. And Moses said unto God, behold, when I come into the children of Israel and say unto them, the God of your fathers have sent me unto you and they shall say to me, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? Moses is worried. He's checking his own credibility. Sometimes when a pastor's young, when he first gets up to speak, he, he he checks his own credibility. Verse 14 says, And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. He's made it very clear who he is. Let's have a look at Exodus 4, verse 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither therefore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. But I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. Moses is saying, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to do this. But we are all good enough. You see, you've got to be active. When you're active, God will call you. If you're laying on the couch every day watching videos, then God's not going to use you. You're not making yourself available But when you say, I am a child of God, and Jesus Christ has defeated the devil on the cross of Calvary, God will hear that, and he will call you. Why would God call me? As a child, I had had tuberculosis and diphtheria, two life-threatening diseases. Before I reached the age of eight, I got over it. I'd had these confrontations with Satan, I got over it. God see me through all of it. Now God uses me, hallelujah. Verse 11 says, and the Lord said unto him, who hath made man's mouth, or who makes the dumb, or the deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord. So God is saying, get on with it, Moses. I've called you, I will equip you. I have made all these things in you, hallelujah. Let's go to the next one now. Satan tries to cause you to live in shame. To live in shame is a terrible thing. You can think how bad it is a man when he comes out of prison is. He's been in prison for many years. He's come out. The truth is most people wouldn't even know him but he comes up with the fact that he thinks everyone's against him and no one's gonna give a man an even break. I remember the song in the thirties, in the the great slum, the Wall Street crash. Nobody loves you when you're down and out or buddy, can you spare a dime? Low self-esteem, living in shame, living in the past. So frightened of the things you've done Satan always reminds you of the lowest parts of your life. He will always do that. Satan will remind you of your past indiscretions or your current insecurities. It's a major scheme of the enemy. In fact, if the enemy convince you that your past has disqualified you from receiving God's love and grace, then he's got you on the way to defeat you will never come to accept God's word and God fully. In this manner, you remain defeated and frustrated, only accepting some of God's word and God's promises. Shame keeps our eyes focused on ourselves, reminding us over and over again of what we have done wrong, of our broken relationships, of our missed opportunities, of our sorrow and sadness. Truthfully, the enemy has no issue reminding you of of these things. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are now a new creation, no longer in condemnation. Hallelujah. Satan makes you think you're not worthy to worship God. The God wants nothing to do with you because of the things you've done before. Even so, the shame will affect you this way. You'll stop praying. Maybe you'll pray for other people, but you don't feel worthy to pray for yourself. The enemy will keep you in self-pity. You'll be walking around with your head bowed down. You may go to church, but you'll sit at the back of the church. You won't be bold enough to go down the front. You'll sit at the back. Uh, Your past behaviors will always remind you Will you turn away and go back to your sinful desires and walk away from God's life and God's love? This is what Satan wants you to do. The book of Romans says, there is therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Satan tries to take us back to our failings. Shame, broken relationships, sinful desire. Let's have a look at Psalm 34, verses 4 and 5. Hallelujah. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. Praise be to God, their faces were not ashamed. See, we've got nothing to be ashamed of. All have fallen short of the glory of God. The only difference between us and Satan, we can be redeemed because Jesus has paid the price for our redemption. Satan is lost. He's a dead man walking. He has no hope. Let's have a look at Romans 10, verse 11. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him, shall not be ashamed. We believe on Jesus. We shall never be ashamed. So why should we be ashamed? We can tell the devil to clear off. Tell him to leave. Hallelujah. He appeared to me early one morning and I was getting up one Saturday morning. It was a bright sunny morning, about six o'clock. The sun was going through the window and there was this huge black shape. And he stood at the end of my bed and his eyes was blood red and his tongue was blood red. And he said, Michael, I will kill you in five years. He spoke that. It was audibly heard. I jumped out of bed and confronted him. I did. I jumped out of bed and confronted him like I was a man. And I put myself in the boxing post. I used to be a boxer, an amateur boxer, and I run a boys club in South London. Uh, where I was a boxing teacher there in this boys' club. And I taught boys to defend themselves. I didn't teach them to get involved in fights. I said, if bigger boys come after you to bully you, move around them quick. And I said, and then get out of there. As soon as you've hit them hard, try and disable them, then get out as quick as you can. So I stood against Satan in this pose, and I told Satan to go. I called him a liar, and I told him to leave. And he left immediately. Now, who am I? But with God with me, I am a lion. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's have a look at First John 1, verse 9. He that saith he is in the light and hated his, his brother is in darkness, even unto now. We've got to come out of the darkness we've got to come out of it now if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness you see when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior we are no longer in the dark we are in the light hallelujah now I'm going to try and finish I've got two more to do the first one is for you to worship an idol. The next one is for you to be deceived. I'll try and finish them if I can, but if I can't, we'll come back next time and finish it.
2: You take your time.
1: Okay, thank you. The next thing Satan will say to us, he wants us to worship an idol, whether it be Michael Jackson, whether it be Elvis. You know, I was speaking... uh, to Ray last week about the Beatles saying I went to see the Beatles when I was 12 years of age and I went to see them there was a young group then but they had about two or three number ones and I walked about in a daze and I become an idol worshipper of the Beatles as I did many of the bands in the 60s I worshipped many footballers in the 60s Satan loves that Satan loves when we love other things more than we love God. An idol can be anything that we place before the Lord. In the Old Testament, this was clear to see that they worshipped literal objects. Some religions, I remember talking to a Hindu once, I was on a radio program with a Hindu, and afterwards, I said the a Hindu man, he was a nice guy, I said, what do you do when you have a problem? And he said he had 100 statues in his house, all representing different gods and idols. And whatever he needed, he got that statue out. And he said, "And if that doesn't work, I prayed to Jesus. And I said, break your statues, throw them in the bin, smash them up with a hammer, worship Jesus. I don't know if he did. Although most Christians don't have a golden calf or a statue that they praise, they have many idols that have taken place in their hearts. I've heard of men not go to church on Sunday morning because they want to go out and have a round of golf. I've heard that. Worshipping our favourite celebrity. Spending hours on social media. That's a form of idolatry. Having a Life is extremely focused on self. Sex, pornography, sexual immorality, fornication, all these things are idolatrous. The trick of the enemy is much cleverer then, than you may have realized it. In fact, we can spend years worshipping things that seem good on the outside, but we don't even realize that they've become idols in our life, and we've become obsessed with them and they're our primary focus in life work can be an idol i won't go to church today they need me at work so i'll go and do some overtime that is idolatry before long we can start to look at those things more than we look to god and this is very dangerous satan is working on us and he's trying to leave us with a sense of hopelessness. Although God wants us to have good things, we can never worship the things more than the one who gives them to us. We must be willing to lay down whatever the Lord leads us to do, because it's standing in the way of the life that we have submitted to be part of with our Lord God. Idols come in many forms, pop stars, film stars, they come in many forms, hallelujah. And idolatry is very dangerous. You know, I I used to go to football and I remember one day the team I support was playing away in the north of England and there was a coach trip there to go and see the match. And the usual church service of the church I went to at the time was 10 o'clock. And I looked on their list of services and I realized they had a communion service at 8 o'clock. And I could go to that service and still be in time to catch the coach at 9 o'clock. And I did that. And when I think, look back on that, I'm ashamed of myself. People will say we didn't do anything wrong. You went to church, but it was wrong what I did. Let's have a look at Psalm 115, verses 3 to 8. Hallelujah. It says, But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, they walk not, neither speak they through their throat that they that make them alike unto them so is everyone that trusteth in them, hallelujah we mustn't believe in these idols at all, you remember no created being is greater than the creator, so why should we worship these people yeah we can like them We can listen to a song. I remember listening uh, on Christmas day and I was on YouTube and I heard a wonderful singer, a guy called Harry Connick Jr. What a wonderful voice the man sings. And it happens he's a Christian, he's a Roman Catholic, but he says he's a Christian and he talks about Jesus. And he's a wonderful singer. We can listen to a wonderful song and we can like that song. We mustn't idolise the singer. We must say, well, God has given him a great voice. And through that voice, he can reach others and he can bring them to the Lord. We mustn't idolise. Satan loves us to idolise. Soon as we idolise anything, we're away from God. And then Satan can work out his next attack in our lives. Hallelujah. We pray. Let's have a look at Galatians, four, verses eight to nine. I like to back up everything I say with the Scripture. How be it then, when ye know not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather and known of God, how turn ye again? to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto you desire again to be in bondage. Happens to you, you're in bondage when you get involved in idolatry. Put one more scripture in this section and then I've got the last part to do. Hallelujah. We're going to look at Romans. Romans 1, verses 21 to 23. Hallelujah. Because that when ye knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, that wise they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Hallelujah. Satan wants you to worship idols. All the time you're worshiping idols, you cannot worship the true God. And finally, Satan wants you to be deceived. It's never been more important for Christians to stand on the word of God. In today's culture, we see so many accommodating the word of God to fit in with their lifestyles. Instead of of making their lifestyles fit the word of God. This form of trickery is Satan's attempt to make Christians pick and choose which aspects of the Bible makes them feel good. Feel good Christianity. Never talk about hell. Never talk about things that are important. How many times have you heard that? You go in, some pastors never talk about heaven and hell. They never talk about the devil. We know Satan's defeated by the cross at Calvary, but we've got to go out there and prove to the world that Satan's defeated. Otherwise, he'll trick them. Instead of seeking the life that follows the spirit, people turn to their own flesh and concept of morality, which they believe is the truth, humanism and things like that. In many ways, mankind becomes like Eve, wanting to play to only accept portions of God's word, preferring our will over his. The truth is, if the enemy can keep Christians lukewarm and hypocritical in their faith, then he can cause many not to want to follow the Lord. Are we a a hypocrite? The Bible says, let your yeah be yeah and your no be no. How many times is our no, yeah, we get it wrong. We must remember that Satan will do anything to cause confusion, including using Christians with so many different beliefs, that it appears to be dozens of different religions all mixed into one. I went to a church once that never takes communion, and I said to the pastor, why don't you take communion? I said we're unworthy to take communion I said well that's easy we should all take communion immediately I said who was ever worthy of Jesus all have fallen short of the glory of God so these people go to a church and they never take part in the sacraments Many Christians have beliefs that contradicts the word of God. We have this now with abortion. We have it with same-sex marriage. This is all the work of Satan to deceive the believer. Let us not give the enemy any more power in our minds and actions. And let us walk in God's word. For there is the power. Let's have a look. Hallelujah. At Psalm 12, I'll be finished soon. Psalm 12, verse 2. It says, They speak vanity, everyone, with his neighbor, with flattering lips, and with a double heart do they speak. Verse 3 says, The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips, and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Hallelujah. Lying, boasting, bigging ourselves up, flattery to others, Same, telling people because you want to get on the right side of them, saying good things about them. I've even seen that in a church when people pray for people. They look at the person and they think, what can I say good to please them, to make them feel good? And they seldom tell them the truth. I've seen that. Telling people what they want to hear. Blasphemy, the act of insulting and showing contempt for God. And also claiming constantly to hear from God, claiming a special closeness with God. I've heard that before. People have come up to me and said, the Lord has told me this, the Lord has told me that, the Lord has told me this. I remember losing my temper with someone once who was always going on that the Lord has given them a word, the Lord has said this. And I said to this person, I said, you know what, the Lord speaks more to you than he ever spoke to Moses. And with that, the woman never spoke to me again. But she was constantly saying. And also, if anyone else had a word for her, she would claim to know that word. Oh, thank you, I was given that word last week. You're only confirming what I already know. You know, this is the deceit that goes on in the church. The church is to blame. Pastors used to should be tough. They should be tough. They should only preach the truth. Hallelujah. Go into the Ten Commandments to finish. Exodus 20, verse 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Don't go up to people and say, the Lord has said this, the Lord has said that. You know, I've said to people, you should be able to examine. You must ask the Holy Spirit for discernment. You should know, is is that word that you want to share with someone really coming from God? Or is it coming from your own self, your own feelings towards that person? Or are you being see, deceived by the devil? I hope you enjoyed today. I thought it was wonderful. I'll give you some more strategies of the devil you know the devil has a spider's web and you can see a fly when he gets trapped into the spider's web it's the same with satan you get caught in his web it's very difficult to get out hallelujah and i'm trying to teach you when i do these programs that you don't have to always come to a man like me if you're born again you're a believer then Jesus Christ will equip you though, so you can take your stand against the evil one. God bless you all and thank you very much.
2: Great word today. My friend, what do you want to title this for the archive tonight?
1: Uh, Satan the Deceiver.
2: Fantastic. If you're just joining us, we're live with Pastor Michael Cummins coming to you from England. Uh, Brother Michael, also, how do people contact you in your church, and is there a way to support your work?
1: Yes, there is. A, I have a PayPal account now, and Great. if you wish to support, it's support me. The I'll give you the email address. Yes. It's it's Frame Cummings, F R A M E, Cummings N S, one two three at AOL There is a PayPal account under that email address you can contact contact me at kilburn christian fellowship which you can find online which is our church we have in london northwest six in a place called kilburn uh, i pastor that church i've been there five years now and uh, you know there is also a website christ sets you free which you can look at but you can always contact me and i'll even leave you my mobile number if anyone has an urgent prayer request it's 07469 235351
2: Brother that's fantastic. Uh, Brother Michael do you have time to take a phone call today?
1: Yes I certainly
2: do. Okay I've got a a brother that has requested prayer. Let me see if I can get Brother James patched in with us. Okay stand by we're going to patch in Brother James. Folks this is a live program Welcome aboard Wednesday, December 28th, 2022. That was a powerful message tonight, Brother Michael. And I want to thank, thank uh, you. Sister Maria for connecting us to make this possible. Brother James, let's do a sound check. Can you hear us?
0: Hold on just one second.
2: Yeah, all you got to yes, do I is can. just mute uh, that. Mix LR Hello. in the background. You'll be okay. Yeah, there we go. Or close that window, Brother James. Welcome aboard. Uh, we've got you on with <laughs> oh. Pastor Michael. You needed prayer. Tell us what's going on.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm just really under a, a heavy financial burden right now. Um, there's a lot of things that have been going on. We we just moved. Me and my wife. We just moved out of an apartment, um, which was 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 great. But um, just one thing after the other. One you know thing with the With a car you know catalytic converter went out Um, my credit cards are almost maxed out because of everything that's been going on like i said one one repair after another one thing after another and so i you know i need direction i need to hear from god you know and i need you know i need to know what to do next and and and, you know things are changing in, in in ministry and stuff like that and so i just i just need I just need prayer, you know, whatever the Lord leads. Amen. Well, we're glad to have you.
2: Brother Michael, meet Brother James. Over to you, Pastor Michael.
1: Thank you. James, it's very nice to hear from you. I'm very sorry uh, for the circumstances you find yourself in. When I was uh, a younger man, you know, I had gone through a very nasty divorce, and I found myself in 30,000 pounds worth of debt. I had no credit cards. All I had was a simple current account that you could put money in and take money out. But it actually helped me. I didn't take any credit from anyone. Uh, I was blacklisted for about five years and I had to build my credit up again. And I used to tithe the little I had and I used to pray to God all the time. And one thing I will say to you, James, I'm going to say this prayer for you now. Debt. Poverty, insufficiency, and lack are weapons that the devil will use against us, especially when we've moved house. Things going wrong with your car, you know, is a common thing. I've experienced all these things. I thank God now. I don't have much credit at all, really. I don't have anything. But God sees me okay. And God will look at your heart, James, and he will know if you're a good man And he will know to bless you. And I'm going to pray for you now. Can I pray for you, please, James?
0: Sure, absolutely.
1: In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we lift up our brother, James. And we pray now, Lord, that you will banish every spirit of debt, poverty, insufficiency and lack. And I stand against you, Satan. And I tell you now to take your filthy hands off of this man and his family. You will not destroy him by debt. I pray, Lord, as the book of Malachi says, that James will bring all his tithes in the storehouse and he will test you in this. And you will open up the windows from heaven and rain down such blessing in his life that he will not have room enough to receive it. And you will rebuke the devourer for his sake. And we say to you, Satan, clear out of his life. Get away now. He is going to be frugal. He is going to be money conscious. And he will be out of this sooner than he knows it. In the name of Jesus Christ. For God wishes to bless you everywhere you hurt, James. And he will bless you today. I declare in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
2: Amen. You know I touch and agree on that Let me add to that Father Yahovah, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ I come in agreement with Pastor Michael For James We ask God that you would go before him and be his defense That he have plenty of silver Job 22:25. Open up a door God for new income Help him Father God We pray right now According to your riches and glory In Jesus Christ's mighty name And we bind every demonic force Coming against your finance We rebuke it In Jesus' name, we command the enemy to loose your finances in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Bless Brother James, Father God, and his family. In Jesus' name, guide and direct his steps. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank Thank you, you. James.
0: Thank you.
2: Thank you, Brother James. God bless you. Praise the Lord. God bless you too. Folks, we're excited to be here tonight with, and this morning with Pastor Michael Koeman. Does anybody else out there need prayer? Um, Brother Michael, if you're in agreement beginning next week when you do your next program I will go ahead and alert people that after you're preaching if there's anybody needs prayer they can call in. Would that be okay? I, yeah that would be fine. I we're set up. By the rightly. way your headset sounds great.
1: Oh that's good.
2: Oh yeah. That's you,
1: fantastic.
2: We got that dialed in. Um, once again folks we're here today with Pastor Michael Cummins. Brother Michael if someone's in the England area uh, where are you located, yes. and when do you have services if they want to come out and fellowship with you?
1: Well, if, if they want to come out, uh, they can come out to us at Kilburn. If they look online, just, just put in the search engine, Kilburn Christian Fellowship. Uh, on the website, there's all the bus routes, the tube routes, how they can actually get there. And, uh, you know, they can uh, they can find their way to us. We, every Sunday, we're there from 1115 So, and after the service, we about two o'clock after we've had some refreshments, I see people personally in my office if they've got any problems.
2: Oh, that's fantastic. Um, Once again, Brother Michael, for today's broadcast, what shall we title this episode? I didn't have my pen handy. The Deceptions of Satan. Awesome. All right, now, folks, if you're coming in late, Uh, you want to get this program and share it with a friend. I'll have it up pretty quickly today. I owe you a couple of these, by the way. I need to send you the links, Brother Michael. uh, Amen. That's all right. Do you also have a website where you also have more teaching available if they want to go and listen? Uh, Yes. If they go on the church website, there's about 60 teachings there. Oh, that's great. On the
1: church website.
2: Give that website out again.
1: Yeah. Look at Kilburn Christian Fellowship. Children Christian Fellowship. There's preaching and teaching on there. There is about sixty teachings, different subjects.
2: Fantastic. I'll put that in the show notes, Brother Michael. uh, Next week, the fourth. Good for you. Same time.
1: Good for me. We're going to see you then. Good for you.
2: Do you? Oh, absolutely. This is a perfect time. Um, Would you like to close us in prayer today?
1: Yes. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done today. We reiterate that prayer for James and we pray, Lord, that soon he will be on his feet. Soon he will be blessed, Lord. And in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray now for everyone listening and we pray that more people will want to come for prayer after the main uh, teaching for next week. Lord, bless them, keep them, make your face to shine upon them. Bless them for the coming new year. And Lord, we say now, you are our Lord and Savior. We believe and trust in you, and we know that you love us. God bless you all today, and thank you for listening. Amen.
2: Amen. Brother Michael, we love and appreciate you. Honor to work with you, my friend. I'm really enjoying thank these messages, and um, Happy New Year to you and your family. Happy New
1: Year to you <laughs> and to your family well. I'm sure it's
2: warmer where you are than where, where I am. I tell you what, other than the rain that you'll get in a rainy season, that's about the only indication you have here of the, the uh the seasons. Um I laughed because I had no idea what I was headed for and I figured, well, I'm moving to Indonesia, I need to take me some suits. So I came over <laughs> with seven suits. I used one to get married, gave the rest away, and uh, that's all I got left. Is one. Never needed it again. It's just shorts over here. It's so hot.
1: All right. Well, if you ever need a suit, you ever need a suit, you let me know. your size. because when I first left school, I was a. I worked in a tailor shop, and I used to measure people for suits. Really. So if you ever need, you ever need a suit, I'll gift you with a great suit. I'll buy one from from England for you <laughs> and get it sent out
2: to you. Oh my goodness! Well, thank Are you, you for that offer. They have the best suits there. Yep. Wow people who think you're an English gentleman when they see you in this suit. <laughs> yeah, thank God you. Bless you. Love you my friend. God bless you. We'll see, yeah, you, next you, lots. Thank see you. you next time. See you next time. Bye bye. Folks, hope you enjoyed that message and uh, we're going to have that later uh, in the archive just a little bit. Um, so welcome aboard. You know what? I believe the Lord has helped me tonight and thank you for your input there, James and Marie and others um, how to put this schedule back together better than ever before I've been in transition as you know this month um, rebuilding the network, I knew we needed to make some changes, we've been doing that, I knew we had stagnated, I knew that I had uh, not completed what the Lord had called me to do this program for to begin with so I needed to get some things fixed, but I tell you what, past couple of weeks has been good, and I've been getting a feel of uh, things again, and um, I think we've got a perfect schedule for you. Here's what I'm proposing, and I think this is going to work out good. Beginning next week, Monday, the um, the first day in January. What we'll do is uh, oh, let me. Let me send out a message real quick. Stand by. Okay. We're going to have a new schedule beginning Monday, uh, January 2nd. Monday, January 2nd. So here's the schedule. Monday through Friday. 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock Eastern. Speak my word. And we started with a new format last night. We read uh, some from the Old Testament. Read some from the New. So we're over in 2 Kings and we're in Mark today. Also we read 5 Proverbs and we read, uh, excuse me, 5 Psalms and 1 Proverb. So we get a good Bible reading in there. That's one hour. Guests from 8 to 10 Eastern. We can have two guests each night. And then at 10 o'clock Eastern, which is 7 Pacific, uh, we do the Demon Hotline. we got the best of all worlds. We've got the Word, we've got some great guests, and we have the Demon Hotline. And if there's any guests that want to join me for that, we can have them on there as well. What do you think about that? Word, deliverance, and special guest. So we're looking at um, four to five hours a night. Now, I think that's awesome schedule. I think that's the best of everything right there. Not to mention, I've opened up the vault, and we're releasing a new broadcast every night into the archives. Monday through Friday, probably some weekends too. Um, I just put one on last night, I'm fixing to upload one for tonight's program. So, I feel good about that, I believe the Lord approves of this one. Starting Monday, next week, we'll go to this new schedule, I'm going to start advertising it. So um, we can plan on it. Uh, five nights a week, same night time, every night 7 Pacific, 10 Eastern. That will allow for both coasts to call in if they want prayer. It's not too late if you're on the East Coast. And uh, call in for deliverance. If we don't have any calls for deliverance, whatever you need. Prayer, questions, healing, we'll pray. So I feel good about that. I'm going to go ahead and uh, make it happen. And um Start promoting it. Let people know. I'll put an announcement up on the webpage. OmegaManRadio.com Also, we're getting ready to uh, launch on the Word Network. I've been gifted one half hour TV program on the international network called Word. You're familiar with the Word channel. I have a brother who owns quite a lot of time on that channel, and he is uh, doing a program, Damon Davis, Zoe program, every day, Monday through Friday, um, afternoon slot. He told me, pick any date you want, I'll give it to you, once a month, uh, one slot. So, hey, that's a great opportunity. We're going to do TV. We'll probably launch that in February. i need a couple weeks to put that together. But, um, Praise God. God's opening some doors, so thank you for your prayers. And, uh, hey, I'm feeling good about this. I didn't want to destroy the program. I didn't also want to uh, continue at doing what we were doing. I felt stagnated. I knew we needed to make some changes. I knew we needed to get some things uh, fixed. And so I'm feeling good about this transition. How do you feel about it? Let me know. Write me and let me know. OmegaManRadio at ProtonMail.com Praise the Lord. If you would like to help the ministry of Brother James Grable, I don't think you'll mind me giving you his PayPal. You can support this man that got over at his uh, email. Contact at James J-A-M-E-S graybill, G-R-A-Y-B-E-A-L dot com We help one another. We're in this battle together, folks. Brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in tonight. Thank you, Sister Maria. Hope you're enjoying um, your time with family. Merry Christmas again to everybody. Happy New Year to you. We'll of course see you <clears throat> before New Year. We're, we're here every night, Monday through Friday. So we'll be here all, all this week. Uh, tonight we're going to have on the schedule, let me see who's coming on. Okay, I think tonight we've got Joseph Ferrara. Tomorrow, Gary Stafford. No, Gary Stafford's not on tomorrow. That's actually not till January. I'm sorry. Hang on, I'm looking at my January schedule. Okay, here we go. Uh, Joseph Farrar tonight. Joseph Jasinski on Thursday. Dr. Hansen on Friday. But uh, beginning next week, we're going to have those guests. So I've already sent out a bunch of emails, text rather, to go ahead and start booking for next week. Fill up January for you. So, uh, we're back. Love you all, Father. God bless everyone that tuned in tonight. We thank you for the word. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Love you all, folks. God bless you. We'll see you next time on Omega Man Radio. Have a great night. Oh, and before I forget, we're back on YouTube. All right.